people in that realm spending millions of dollars or one property in a year, they really like the ability to spend. And so being able to have a lot of deductions first year, is very helpful for cash flow. The beauty of, of uh, special depreciation is it can produce a loss. At least clients that I've dealt with a lot, having a tax loss for the year is, is important. Thanks for joining us on another REI NWA podcast. I'm your host, Coley Bailey. I'm a executive broker and team leader with the Lone Rock team at Fathom Realty. And today we're going to be talking about getting organized, getting ready for tax day, the dreaded, the dreaded day of the year. Uh, and with us today, uh, I've got a special guest, a special treat. Uh, this is an accountant and an enrolled agent. His name is Brian Fleming. And Brian, thanks for joining us. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So you are here in Northwest Arkansas. Uh, have you always lived here or, or where are you from? Well, I'm from Missouri originally. Okay. Um, around the, grew up on a farm near Nevada, Missouri. Until about uh, 10 years ago, 11 years ago now, I lived in the Joplin area. And then moved, came down here in, in beginning in 2013. Okay when I started really uh, working here and uh, living here. Fantastic. Fantastic. So how did you become an accountant and wh what's the difference between an accountant and an enrolled agent? Okay. Well, I'll start out with maybe just with the uh, difference between an accountant and an enrolled agent, uh, just so don't forget to address that. An accountant is exactly what you commonly think of as an accountant, someone who works with finances, bookkeeping, tax preparation, that sort of thing. An enrolled agent is is simply someone who has been uh, authorized by the IRS to represent taxpayers. And so that is something that I obtained uh, by taking the IRS exam, a, a battery of exams that they produce and, and offer uh, to people who want to be uh, enrolled agents uh, who have the same rights with the IRS to represent taxpayers, to on any number of things to uh, prepare tax returns, uh, have the same uh, uh, representation rights as, say, CPAs or attorneys with the IRS. Uh, so it's just simply that. Uh, uh, a lot of accountants prepare tax returns. A lot of CPAs prepare tax returns. A lot of attorneys prepare tax, tax returns. Uh, CPAs have their own uh, testing. Uh, attorneys have their own testing. And then the IRS has testing for enrolled agents. So that is the primary difference is that I've simply taken the IRS exam, several a series of exams on a broad range of topics uh, that enable me to be authorized by the IRS to represent taxpayers. Okay. Now, how I got in accounting was uh, uh, just kind of a roundabout way. Um, I uh, was sort of a lost child, so to speak. Um, came from a family that uh, highly educated family and uh, but I was sort of the, kind of the black sheep of the family uh, you know about older brothers and sisters I have one older brother who was in who's a a, a, um, a 4.0 graduate of Harvard Law School and a PhD from Princeton and and uh, I was uh, didn't know what I wanted to do barely made it through high school uh, always in trouble and uh, Ended up basically mowing lawns for a living. I was I was mowing lawns for uh, 
a number of years and operated along the landscape business for around 20 years, but had a, uh, this intellectual um, struggle. I just needed, I needed something more. I found that I did well with my, uh, uh, my own books, um, my own time. I've never paid anyone to do my own taxes. Um, I just found that that came easily. Uh, for one thing, I, that's what I started to think about. At some point in time, I decided I just had to have something different than I was driving myself crazy uh, without a lot of engagement that I needed. And uh, so I decided to uh, pursue either being an attorney like my brother or uh, or something else. And, um, and, and the accounting came to be, and it just turned out that um, over a period of time of study and uh, talking to people, attorneys, accountants that I knew, uh, I chose that path. Did well in the initial accounting courses when I went. I went to college at a later uh, time, non-traditional student, and did well. But I would I would say uh, I kind of missed this point. I've always been somewhat of an entre- entrepreneur, um, and I not only had the lawn business, I had several other small businesses that I established uh, during that period of time. And so, accounting uh, and working in, a, in an accounting office. Uh, was something that was appealing to me because it also allowed me to uh, continue in the self-employment, sort of being self-employed, helping people, providing, you know, instead of providing services in their yard or home or that part of people's lives, I was able, I thought I'd be able to provide services in regard to finance and accounting yeah. and taxation. Yeah. Well, and, so, and it's, and it, it's also uh, probably helps your your clients a lot if they are entrepreneurs if they if they're running small businesses or you know real estate uh businesses things like that that you've you've been there you, and you yeah I, it is. What, they're, fact, what, what they're going through and and also some of the pitfalls that uh, that they easily fall into as well yeah i in fact i've recently had a meeting with a an investor and he's a, a real estate investor he's an insurance agent he has various things that he's been doing and uh, I had a meeting with him and someone and, a, and a, a, a gal that has been working with him. And she just was saying, he, he's just going on all these tangents, you know, he's starting this business, he's starting that business. And it was like, yeah, that's me. I do that. I was doing that. <laughs> and here, you know, so yeah, I relate to these people that are entrepreneurs very well yeah. and uh, I find myself very comfortable with them and definitely understand the drives that, that the things that drive them. And so I find it quite, fun to work with with entrepreneurs in particular. Well, great. And so with the upcoming program, um, this is going to be a landlord lunch and mm-hmm. it is uh, called Organizing for the Dreaded Tax Day. And we're going to get into that. I got some interesting, uh, interesting points in here. One of those is that expenses may be different than costs. And uh, that's that was kind of surprising. Uh, and so... Let's, we're going to get into that right after this word from our sponsor. Are you struggling with real estate code compliance? Let Ordinal, your AI navigator, simplify it for you. Receive clear answers to your nuanced compliance questions in seconds with citations included. Currently, the Ordinal beta version specializes in the Northwest Arkansas cities of Bentonville, Fayetteville, Springdale, and Rogers. Join the beta version now and get your first month free using the promo code REI. After that, it's just 12 bucks a month. 
visit breakground.ai slash ordinal or click the link in the description below. Start incorporating AI into your real estate workflows today with Ordinal. All right, Brian. So let's talk about the difference between expenses and costs and why aren't they the same thing? Okay. Well, simply uh, the two different things, a, uh, an expense is something that is, is incurred on an annual basis, like insurance or uh, electricity, utilities, you know, other utilities, repairs, mileage, that sort of thing that you incur on an ongoing basis. You, you take the money out of your pocket to buy it, and then you use it. Cost, it, and by, by cost, I mean things like real estate. So if you buy a, a, a house and it's going to be your rental, that is not an expense because it is not an annual thing. It's not something that's used up as you right at, right when you acquire it or you use it over a short period of time. It's something that remains with you for a number of years and is only uh, subject to the idea of expense through uh, depreciation. So cost is uh, the, the expense or of that is the amount of depreciation that you deduct every year. So uh, I bring that up because every every year and and um, not only every year, but even in in daily accounting jobs or as working with a daily business, you run into this sort of thing, and people don't understand. Uh, even accountants don't understand a lot of this. Definitely, the person that's not focused on accounting. Whenever someone comes in to have their uh, get ready, they're getting ready for tax season. They bring in their their books or their box of receipts, that sort of thing. Uh, very much, very often, uh, you will find a receipt for, say, a uh, a house, you know, in the box of receipts, and they want to deduct that. All of the whole expense for this year went, but in reality, that's not an expense; it's a cost, an asset. That is, that endures uh, over a period of years. I just thought that'd be a fun distinction to make because it it it, it just continues on and on and on. And someone goes out and buys a uh, they spend fifty thousand dollars on a uh, truck or well now I, I'm I'm dating myself. You know who pays fifty thousand dollars for a new vehicle nowadays? I mean it's maybe a hundred thousand. I've seen them I've seen them up to one hundred seventy five thousand. I've even seen people pay one hundred seventy five thousand dollars for a pickup truck. Yeah, and, wow. Uh, They'll just throw that in there as okay. We this we got to deduct this year. Well, not really. I mean, that's that's a cost. You know, that's something yeah. that is endure will endure for a number of years, and the cost is expensed over a period of years. And then in the end, uh, that might be something that is sold and has value at the end of a period of time. And so that uh, when sold, you know, it becomes it becomes income to you in, in a sense in 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 the sense of uh, well. That's a little bit of a complex uh, conversation on how that becomes. Income. Well, then you get into capital gains, right? Well, you get into gains, ordinary gains, and in related to stuff like that's been depreciated. Oh, okay. Or, uh, something like that. Yeah, capital gains is definitely a part of the equation when it comes to say, you know, a house because the asset is the asset uh, increases in value, uh, and so you end up selling it for more than what you paid for it, and so in that in that sense, you you do have capital gains come to play in a cost item. So I, I like to emphasize with the people because it just comes up all the time. Every, so am every I hearing year. this correctly that costs can sort of become 
expense or they can be expensed. So like, for instance, real estate, uh, if you buy a single family residence uh, and you're going to rent it out, right, you can expense it over 27 and a half years. Correct. Yes. So each individual year, you've got an expense for it. But the year that you buy it, it's a cost. Yeah, the cost remains. So you buy, you pay $150,000 for a house and uh, you put it in, you set it up as an act, asset in your balance sheet or on your tax return depreciation schedule. And so that remains $150,000 for, for the entire time you have that asset, okay. except over 27 and a half years, you can deduct a, you know, a percentage of that cost and that in, in that in that sense, it becomes depreciation expense. Yeah. So that's the annual part of it. But in the case of something like a a cost item like a house, um, at the end of the period, that still holds value. Then when you sell it, you end up having to pay back those we call that re, uh, recap depreciation recapture. You have to actually take back, you know, as much of the depreciation as you've taken. You have to record back as income. Uh, as ordinary gain. And so in a sense of something that is normally an expense, well, it's long gone. You know, you you can't, you're not reselling your electricity, you know, or even your repairs, a a regular uh, low cost repair, your pest control, anything like that. That's not something that's remained. That was, that was an expense, an annual thing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So on a roof, roof, you know, um, appliances, you know, a, uh, remodel, uh, an addition to a building, something like that. Those things are costs. Okay. Okay. So, uh, but things like, you know, your insurance and your, you know, just ongoing, uh, expenses, those are expenses. Yeah, they're expenses. And and the reason why I make those distinctions is because I just kind of think, well, it'd be good to kind of help people kind of have this stuff separated beforehand, because if you bring your stuff to me, then I'm going to have to come back you know, and uh, let's say you put in your uh, your rental house that was, you know, worth one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and 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 maybe you know you have um, X dollars of of in rental income per year, say ten thousand or fifteen thousand dollars of rental income per year, but then you've got something in here, uh, twenty five thousand dollars of repairs, and the repair is a uh, expense, but I'm always going to know, but. Wow, that's a lot of repairs for this for this one year. Uh, I wonder what they did. So I'm going to ask questions. You know, like what did you do with this? How did how's this twenty five thousand dollars divided up? And then they bring it out and they say, oh well, we put a new roof on. Well, you know that roof is a cost. You know, so I've got to pull that out and uh, set that up as a item that increases your basis in the in the house and also is a depreciation item that is expensed over a period of years, or maybe part of the 25,000 was uh, you put in all new appliances, you put in, you remodel, you put in cabinets and the countertops, you know, that sort of thing. That's a cost. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. All right. So let's talk about um, any recent tax changes that might affect landlords. Okay. Well, the main thing I think in regard to uh, real estate and, and landlords is um, the concept that we've had uh, for a number of years called special depreciation. What that meant over the last few years, uh, people have been able to uh, a investor, property owner, landlord uh, could uh, 
incur a, a number of costs, say like they could, as I mentioned previously, they could put in a bunch of uh, new appliances uh, into their house, into their rental property, or they could, uh, you know, put countertops in or something like that, that uh, is, is something that has a life that we would normally depreciate over, you know, three, five, seven, you know, or 15 or, or 20 years. And uh, so they would call those, uh, you know, three, five, seven, 15, 20 year property. So if, uh, if something could be classified in the realm of, of uh, you know, 20 year property or less, while we still, we set it up as a uh, depreciate, depreciated item, we didn't have to, to, to depreciate it over the real life of the property. We actually could just deduct 100% of it in the first year of uh, purchase or, or construction or whatever. So that has been 100% for several years. And so a lot of people have taken advantage of that by buying at the end of the year. They, they look and they say, wow, we, we've had a pretty good year. We need to, but we do need to have a new uh, tractor, you know, or we need a new uh, bulldozer or something like that. Uh, that would be a normally depreciable item over a number of years that we would only we would normally only be able to deduct a certain percentage of that over the years. If we could deduct 100% of it, then that gives us a return. You know, we have we we have lower taxable income, so we save more taxes in the first year of purchase of that item because of special depreciation. And so, with the recent uh, the tax law. As recent as 2017, it's not normally known as the uh, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act or the uh, slang, in, a, in other words, the Trump tax code. That all phased out uh, beginning in 2023. So in 2023, the change is no more 100% special depreciation. It's now, you can take 80% special depreciation. And then next year, you can take 60% until, it until they phase out. Uh, the whole idea of special depreciation, unless Congress changed something. Hmm. So that's uh, that's an important thing to not so much the the average uh, re uh, residential rental property, the person that has the uh, you know houses and a couple hundred thousand dollar house and renting it out, but that's a lot bigger deal when commercial, more commercial like real estate, like warehousing or retail. Those buildings that have much longer, you know, those are 39 year. Some of the things that people in that realm spending millions of dollars uh, on property or one property in a year, they really like that, the ability to spend, you know, 100 grand on, on improvements on a property and then be able to deduct the whole amount in the first year because they've got a lot of cash tied up in it. And so being able to have a lot of deductions the first year. It's very helpful for cash flow. Okay. Yeah. So that's going to phase out. That's starting to phase out. And that's really the, the biggest deal that is that I'm aware of and related. Really yeah. That's pretty important. Uh, that's pretty important for people to know, especially if they're, if they're depending on uh, getting that break and then, the, it, you know, at the end of the year, they're, they're not. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're still going to get the 80% or there's still yeah. a section 179 depreciation, which is another, another method that we are, are, are accustomed to, but. The beauty of, of uh, special depreciation is that um, it can produce a loss. At least clients that I've dealt with a lot, having a tax loss for the year is is important. They are uh, real estate professionals. Uh, their main their main business is real estate, so they are they can have 
pretty big losses in a year. And that's very helpful because they probably have other, other things going on that they want to offset with yep. those, with those losses. I don't know All that right. that applies that much to the, to the mom and pop operation, but just to a lot of people, especially your, your people who are investing in, like I said, warehousing or retail space, things like that. It's a lot bigger deal. Right. All right. Well, there's a lot that we can get into. Um, I don't want to do the whole program here on the podcast, but the program is going to be coming up again. This is a landlord lunch. It's going to be on February 15th, 2024. It's going to be at the Wagon Wheel Cafe in Springdale. And once again, it's on organizing for the dreaded tax day. And come out and see Brian and ask him uh, any questions that you might have along these lines. Um, I'm sure it's going to be a really informative talk. That's always going to be, I think, doors open at 1130. Um, and then, you know, we're, we're having a lunch there. So it's at noon, uh, we'll start the program. All right. Well, Brian, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for sharing those insights with us. And I can't wait to see you at the talk. Thank you. Looking forward to seeing you. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us on this episode of REI NWA. And we'll catch you on the next one.